When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is your World in 10 from the Times of London on Saturday the 29th of October. I'm Laura Cook. And I'm Holly Keogh. The US President condemns a despicable act on Nancy Pelosi's husband. The chant was, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This is despicable. There's no place in America. And Elon Musk completes his $44 billion Twitter takeover. I think it gives us an illustration why governments around the world are taking things into their own hands. It brings some regulation to to these social platforms. We start in the United States with an attack that President Joe Biden has called despicable. It happened at the home of US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. Her husband, Paul, who's 82, was the victim. Liz Landers, chief political correspondent at Vice News, explains what happened. Her husband, Paul Pelosi, uh, who's in his 80s, was attacked with the hammer. Police were there on the scene fairly quickly, it seems. He was taken to the hospital in San Francisco. He has had surgery. Apparently, he's fully expected to recover from the attack. Police say they believe the attack was intentional, but haven't commented on the motive. A 42-year-old man will be charged with attempted homicide. The US president has expressed shock at what happened as he described the moment when the intruder broke in. The chant was, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This is despicable. There's no place in America... There's too much violence, political violence, too much hatred. Former US President Barack Obama also reflected on the attack at a campaign rally in Georgia. And I want to take a moment just to say a prayer for a friend of mine, Mr. Paul Pelosi, who was attacked. A politics where, where some in office or who aspired to office work to stir up division, to to make folks as angry and as afraid of one another for their own advantage. Paul Pelosi has been left with skull, arm and hand injuries, but it's thought he'll make a full recovery. In the wake of the attack, the US government warned of a heightened threat of violent extremism against candidates and election workers as midterms approach. Liz Landers from Vice News explains that the House Speaker does have capital protection. Even though she has this protection, it's obviously not enough. And, you know, I, I have been trying to figure out today if um, the Capitol Police, if other police precincts are going to be working to protect lawmakers kind of in overdrive as we lead up to the next 10 days before Election Day. 
With Twitter now in the hands of the world's richest person, after months of legal drama that questioned whether Elon Musk would ever own the company, analysts say now the real hard work begins. The billionaire has spoken before about making the social media platform a home of free speech. But Bruce Daisley, who was a vice president at Twitter between 2015 and 2020, told Times Radio that will become more difficult in the future. I think it gives us an illustration why governments around the world are taking things into their own hands. The EU has just passed a law which is, it won't come into action for another 14 months, but effectively it brings some regulation to to the the social platforms. And albeit that we've got a law that is faltering through our stop-start governmental system, that I I suspect billionaires' whims are no longer going to be the, the critical thing here going forward. Among the most urgent questions facing Twitter in its new era as a private company is how the platform will handle moderation. Musk declared that he would be forming a new content moderation council that would bring together its diverse views on the issue. But he tweeted, to be super clear, we have not yet made any changes to Twitter's content moderation policies. He reportedly fired several top executives, including the chief executive. Concerns range from whether Musk will reinstate the account of Donald Trump, who was banned from the site after the Capitol attack in January, to whether a less regulated platform will allow hate speech and disinformation to flourish further. Musk has also said that he wants to turn Twitter into a so-called super app that offers everything from money transfers to shopping and ride-hailing. This is Wedbush Securities Managing Director Daniel Ives. He's going to have to increase engagement. Clearly, headcount cuts will be on the horizon. And then the journey to creating a WeChat-like app that we see in China, that's really, I think, the ultimate strategic goal for Musk when it comes to Twitter. You're listening to The World in 10 from The Times of London. Analysis and insight into global events and all in just 10 minutes. On the way, the latest on Brazil's election campaign and a famous painting that has been hung upside down for decades. We head now to Brazil, where the two candidates vying to win the presidential election have gone head-to-head in their final televised debate before people go to the polls on Sunday. In the first round of voting, former President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva beat his opponent, the incumbent Jair Bolsonaro, but not by enough to avoid a runoff. Lula holds a narrow lead in opinion polls. Stephen Gibbs is the Latin America correspondent for The Times of London and says Brazilians are making a choice between two very different politicians. You know, you've got the left against the right. Uh, the Lula side also portrays it as democracy against dictatorship. They say that, you know, if President Bolsonaro gets a second term, he's an authoritarian and he will try to change the rules. Whoever wins Sunday's vote takes charge of a country with a population of more than 200 million people. Stephen Gibbs says people are making a very clear-cut decision between left and right. A severe tropical storm in the Philippines has killed at least 45 people, trapping many more residents in their homes. Storm Nalgi caused landslides and flash floods from heavy rain that began on Thursday. It's expected to reach its peak this weekend. The State Weather Service said Nalgi could hit the capital Manila, which has more than 13 million people living there.
Flash floods with mud and debris from mountainsides have been some of the deadliest hazards posed by typhoons in the Philippines. The country typically experiences 20 typhoons or tropical storms every year from the Pacific Ocean, and Nalgi is not a particularly strong one. However, it's very large and is covering much of the country. The country's civil defence director is urging residents to stay in their homes as rescue operations continue. Now with some big news from the world of Formula One, here's John Jackson. McLaren team principal Andres Seidel is just one of several Formula One team bosses questioning the punishment handed to Red Bull for breaching the 2021 budget cap. The newly crowned Formula One world champions have been fined 7 million US dollars and will have 10% less wind tunnel time over the next year, but Seidel doesn't think that it's enough. According to the German, the penalty doesn't fit the breach, and he hopes that moving forward there are stricter penalties in place. Fellow German Mercedes team boss Toto Wolff was a little less forthcoming with his opinion, suggesting it's good to see that there is a penalty, whether we deem it too low or too high. Aston Martin, who are owned by Canadian billionaire Lawrence Stroll, also accepted they'd committed a procedural breach and were fined US$450,000. Qualifying for Sunday's Mexican Grand Prix takes place later today in Mexico City. Some sad news now from the world of rock and roll, as American legend Jerry Lee Lewis has died at the age of 87. With memorable hits including Great Balls of Fire and Whole Lot of Shaking going on, he was one of the first performers to make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. He was so influential that when John Lennon met him backstage at a show in Los Angeles, the Beatle dropped to his knees and kissed Lewis's feet. An icon for so many, he gave this advice to anyone wanting a career in rock and roll. My advice for musicians today would be uh, if they're going to get in this business, they, they better roll their sleeves up and work real hard because it's not an easy business. And if you're going to pick your guitar, you better be ready to pick. And finally, for the last 77 years, Pierre Mondrian's famous artwork, New York City One, has been hanging upside down. However, experts warn it could disintegrate if it's now hung the right side up. The painting is a lattice of red, yellow, black and blue adhesive tapes and was first put on display in New York in 1945. Curator Suzanne Mayabuza noticed the long-standing error when researching the museum's new show on the artist earlier this year. She said it'll remain an everlasting mystery how it came to be that way. You've been listening to The World in 10 from the Times of London for Saturday the 29th of October. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.